This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money, Sirius XM's Channel 132, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Kent Smethers, a professor here at the Wharton School in Philadelphia, and we are live every Tuesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern. And, and really, the purpose of this show is simply to help you make better decisions with your money. You can call and ask me anything what to do with your money, so you know the drill. Now's the time, live on Tuesday. So grab the phone, give me a call here at 1 844 Wharton, just like the school name, WH. A-R-T-O-N. That's one 844 And you can also connect with me by going to my website, kent.money.com. I have a list of financial advisors there, a pre-screened member. We always want only fee only and also agree with my uh, approach to low-cost passive index investing. And I know I've promised for probably a good six months I was redoing the website, um, and that is in progress. The new website has been launched, but I'll be adding more uh, articles and more advisors. Big massive backlog there, uh, but I will get to that uh, very uh, soon. With that, let me introduce my first guest, Marty Davidoff. He's the uh, National Managing Partner in the Tax Controversy Practice of Prager Metis uh, uh, CPAs and uh, also a member of the Prager Metis International uh, Group. Welcome to the show, Marty. Great to be here. And so uh, you've certainly written a lot of articles on uh, IRS uh, representation and CPA magazine, lots of other uh, outlets recognize accounting today as one of the uh, 100 most influential people in accounting. Um, so let's talk about you know t- t- taxes and some uh, – first, your, your firm, you know, in your practice, the tax controversy practice, um, you must be hit with a lot of, you know, common tax problems. So what are some of the issues that you often deal with? Well, we often deal with people who owe money to the IRS collections, yeah. people who are being audited by the Internal Revenue Service, people seeking penalty abatement, and a hodgepodge of state issues all over the place. And Prager Metis, we're, we're not just doing tax controversy. Prager Metis is a, a, a top 50 CPA firm, a sure. service accounting firm. I'm just the head of the tax controversy. Right. Board. We have about 20 people who all we do is tax controversy. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand how the tax system works. Uh, and in particular, um, my s- spouse was former special prosecutor for the U.S. Treasury and enforcing tax <laughs> cases. And the ba- basically, you, know, the, you have a tax court. You know, they basically IRS says sends you a bill and says uh, you owe us this, and you can go to tax court and kind of uh, tr- uh, try to appeal. The, the, the things are very kind of reverse uh, uh, there. So I imagine you do a lot of representation in tax court as well. Well, we do some, but the IRS, fortunately, does have a lot of administrative appeal levels. Yeah. So when you're when you're being audited, somebody you can you know speak to the manager of the auditor. Yeah. You then ha- have the ability, and in most cases, to go to the office of appeals. Yeah. And even even if they send you what is called a notice of deficiency, where you have to file a tax court petition. It's relatively simple, and at that point, they then, even if you haven't gotten appeals already, they'll allow you to go sit with an appeals officer for a very informal conversation. Yeah. Uh, so it, it really is 
there really are a lot of steps, and very, very few people end up having to fight their cases in tax court. It's only if you've ignored a lot of notices that that ends up happening. Yeah, and in fact, it was kind of funny that the, the most people, I mean, most of her cases also were settled out of tax court. The few, the, the few that, you know, went were typically lawyers who thought they could beat the system. So let's talk about, you know, um, cases uh, where people haven't filed in some time. Uh, maybe they forgot or they just thought they could get away with it. Where are some steps uh, uh, that they, they should be following here? Well, thank you for asking that. What, what I find is that people often end up in that situation because there's been a change of circumstances. Yeah. They were an employee for years, and then they opened their own business, and they didn't realize they had to pay estimated taxes. So the first step when you are in the situation where you haven't filed for several years is to seek some tax advice. And at least at a minimum, going forward, if somebody came to me today and says, I haven't filed you know, from 2005, the first thing I would say is, well, make sure you're paying your estimates for 2020. Sure. Make sure that you're either having withholding on your pay that's sufficient or you're paying your estimates. And yeah. now, since 19 hasn't gone by the filing deadline, let's file the 19 return. So let's start from the very beginning if you haven't filed. And then, then you can consider other options for the back years. You consider a formal voluntary disclosure program or quiet disclosures where you just file returns. But generally, and a lot of people don't know this, generally... Yeah, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Generally, the IRS is not looking for 20 years returns back. They're looking for six years or eight years. And the other thing that people do that's a mistake is they'll go right and file their state returns also. And a lot of the states, including Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, have voluntary disclosure programs where if you go to them beforehand, you may only have to file three years returns, and they're very generous programs, and people should look at those very carefully before they, you know, do anything else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also, you know, the penalties and so forth are often very discretionary, and so, you know, going uh, self-disclosing often is is very helpful in that. So let's talk about jail. I mean, uh, you don't hear that happening often. You hear about about if, if worst-case scenario, um, you know, wages being confiscated, things like that, but there could be jail involved. There could be jail. Usually jail is, is for people who, and, or criminal prosecutions and tax are for people who file false tax returns. Yeah. They're omitting a lot of their income. They're making up deductions. But there have been some people that I've known who have gone to prison for non-filing. But let's put, let's put the numbers. You have 300 million, over 300 million people in this comp- country. In 2016, the last year I saw figures for, um, there were about 2,700 convictions of which about 1,900 people actually had jail time. So it's not a huge number. Mm. It, it certainly happens, but it's not a huge number. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, usually, you know, there's, there's other methods of extracting out the uh, taxes that they certainly want to uh, pursue first. So, you know, suppose that you can't even pay your taxes. You know, what are some options there? Well, you have lots of options. The IRS is not. The IRS will look at your necessary expenses. You do a budget with them. And say, listen, I can't pay my taxes. I have to pay my housing, my this, my that. And if those numbers are reasonable, reasonable being in accordance with IRS guidelines, they could put the case into what is called currently not collectible. After 10 years, if it's in currently not collectible, in most cases, the tax goes away. They, they, in effect, stop collecting it, and, and they no longer can. You can do an offer and compromise. You can get into installment agreements. Uh, you have lots of, and as this is 
So long as you're current, all of these options are available. But here's the mistake some people make. They say, oh, I'm going to pay that 2017 tax bill, but I'm not going to pay 2020. You've got to pay 2020 first and then deal with 17 either in one of these possibilities of uncollectible, installment agreement, offer and compromise, and all of those things. Yeah. But you've got to keep current first. Yeah, yeah. And so we've been even hearing about, you know, revocation, the confiscation of passports, things like that. Uh, explain what's kind of going on there. Well, if you owe more than 53000 53, or more, the IRS will issue, and you've had a long time to deal with the IRS. They've issued you a notice of a federal tax lien. They've issued a notice of intent to levy and your right to hearing. And you've ignored them all that time. Yeah. And you haven't put, put forth any effort to say, well, I'd like to get into an installment agreement. They will issue a notice, a certification to the State Department saying, do not review, renew this person's passport. Yeah. And it's, essentially, the State Department will not renew it. And in some cases, they may revoke it. Mm-hmm. If you go need extra pages on the thing, they're going to look at it and see you're on the list. Now, what's not happening is you're not, if you show up at the airport and you have a passport, they're not going to have a no-fly list for yeah. you. And you will get adequate. And you have an opportunity to get that certification reversed by merely saying, look, here's my financial data. Here's my plan to resolve my tax liability. In that case, they mm-hmm. will then reverse that certification. Yeah. And so, so that, oh, go ahead. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then also you know, people get, getting these random calls from, you know, private collection agencies, you know, often, you know, uh, spoofing with numbers 911 and things like that. I mean, explain private collection uh, and all, all the nuances around that. Sure, I'd be glad to do that. First of all, if somebody calls and says, you know, Go 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 to go get a credit card from from the local drugstore and, yeah. and read me the numbers off of it, uh, for sure. Or that the police are about to arrest you. People don't get arrested for owing money. Right. Uh, and and if you are going to get arrested, it's going to be for tax crimes. And they're and the F and and they're going to show up at six in the morning, uh, and they're not going to call you first. Right. For sure. Right. But but the you know in in looking at all of this, you basically. After the private collection, there are four private collection agencies that the IRS has authorized to collect money from you. Mm-hmm. Now, these collection agencies have no power. Mm. If you never answer the phone and never talk to them, there's nothing they can do to you. But they will call. They will ask you to send money. You will get a letter from both the IRS and the private collection agency before, you, before they will call you. So if you haven't gotten the letters, it's likely a scam. And they have no power. They're not going to arrest you. They can't do anything. The most they can do is they say, can I get you into an installment agreement? And often the people that they get, and this is what the taxpayer advocate has written about, they're getting people who otherwise might be in currently not collectible, people who you know, might qualify for a reduced payment plan. So I would tell people, if you're getting called by a private collection agency, that means basically the IRS has essentially given up on collecting money from you because they give the Congress has given these private collection agencies no teeth. And in fact, it was Congress that is requiring the IRS to do this. Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's certainly there, there's potentially some efficiencies there. But it can also be very uh, as scary. So I, I will admit the next question. I don't know where it came from. I'm wondering if my producer put this one down. You know, I filed a false tax return. Huh? I'm going through a divorce. My spouse is threatening to expose me. 
Well, very specific uh, question right very, here. Very, very specific question. <laughs> and by the way, I see that question a lot. All right, I see that question a lot. And what happens is, you know, you now have a problem. You know, yeah. first of all, if the judges get wind of it in, 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 the, in the civil courts, they have a requirement to refer to the IRS. So this is when if you file false returns and you think you're going to be called on it, Going to the voluntary disclosure program is one way to avoid criminal prosecution, particularly if it's big numbers. So if it's big numbers, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars of unreported income, you know, go see a tax attorney, start talking about this because you have an issue and you need to deal with it fairly quickly. Excellent. Marty, fantastic job. Thanks so much for coming on the show. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 